Joining us as we elevate the Black Entrepreneur Experience live by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and Black entrepreneurs across the globe, I'm your host, Dr. Frances Richards. Our next guest is the former director of executive recruiting at Google and CEO of Jenny Clark LLC. Welcome, Jenny Clark. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. I've given our audience such a brief bio. Why don't you fill in the gaps and share with our audience what you want them to know about you and your business? Um, My business is small. It's pretty much just me. And it's after um, 35 years of being in the corporate world, initially in the financial services uh, business, specifically real estate investment management and then executive recruiting. Um, I spent... 20 years in executive recruiting before I got to Google. Um, And I've learned a lot about people, about talent management, leadership, and I'm spending most of my time now doing speaking to um, large groups on the issue of conscious leadership, as well as um, doing a little bit of consulting. I have a podcast of my own called Fifth Dimensional Leadership. Um, and so that's the nature of my business after a long time in corporate America. Give us more about your podcast and how they could listen. Sure. Um, the podcast is, um, you can, the easiest way to get to it, I would say, is on my website, JennyClark.com, G-I-N-N-Y-C-L-A-R-K-E.com. And the podcast was really... It was urged by a group of women at Google um, to consider doing one because I'd spoken to them and they were inspired and said, you know, we need to hear from you. And I feature a lot of guests. Um, they're not all um, what we would think of as leaders in the from a title standpoint. Um, but the whole point is to talk about what does leadership look like? And in some cases, that takes the form. I've had my my son, who's in his 20s, on talking about his early career. Um, and I've had the CEO of Sonos and, and Ambassador Susan Rice. So, you know, a wide range of, of people talking about what leadership is. And for me, the, the five dimensions of leadership, as I define them, and the reason I call it fifth dimensional leadership, um, the fifth dimension, I'm deeply spiritual deeply into metaphysics, consciousness, expansion. And the, the, the five dimensions are know yourself, speak your truth, inspire love, expand consciousness, and activate mastery. And so that's sort of the, the foundation, again, which I try to engage people in conversations about um, what it means to be a leader. And what type of leader are you, Jenny? Well, I want to believe I'm a conscious leader, meaning um, I know who I am. Um, I have a lot of humility and self-awareness. I'm very decisive, very deliberate, very mission-driven, purpose-driven individually and uh, and collectively. And, you know, as a, I was a single mother. Um, My son, as I said, is in his mid-20s and Um, I was single from the time he was three. So, um, you know, I know what it means to, you don't ever, I don't know that we balance work um, to integrate work and home and life. And um, as an African-American woman, I've dealt with all kinds of inequities and frustrations and challenges. 
um, as well as triumphs and successes and things about which I'm quite proud. So, you know, that I want to say that's the kind of leader I am. I want, I, I think about how do I want to show up um, as a person first? Am I mentally healthy? Yes, I am. I work at it. Physically healthy? Yes. Again, work at it. And um, those things, I think, are foundations from which people can become strong leaders and obviously having domain expertise. And I, you know, I work for one of the largest executive search firms in the world and learn the mechanics of executive recruiting. Not, it's not just about knowing a bunch of people and being well connected. So um, I'm just very, very clear and deliberate about what I can bring to the table. Talk about your why. What, why do you do what you do? Um, it's a calling. You know, it's a, the longer I've been out here, um, the more clear that's become. I lost my parents when I was in my 30s. They were older when they had me and my brother. And they were amazing examples of people who were committed to serving others. My father was a prison warden. Um, I grew up in California. My mother was from Tuskegee. Um, her father walked from Georgia to Alabama. He was the grandson of a slave. And um, so education and service were things that my brother and I were raised to believe in and expected to demonstrate and to achieve. So that's, that's my why. Um, you know, I feel as though I've been, we're all brought here for a different reason. And I think a lot of us never figure out what that is. <laughs> um, you know, I've sought to understand what that is. Um, and I'm, I'm got greater and greater clarity with each passing day. And it's, I'm here to serve. I'm here to awaken and encourage other people to awaken to who they can be so that they can create a better collective world for all, not just for some. And to begin to walk away from the dualistic orientation that we have, uh, we're seeing it increasingly now. Um, but I think it's up to us, all of us, to get it back to this place of a unity consciousness. And that's my why. We want to thank our audience for joining. And if anyone has a question for Jenny Clark, don't hesitate to let us know. So Jenny, talk about mental wellness and entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of people um, just kind of shrug it off as, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a little down or, you know, I'm feeling anxious or frustrated and they're not really in touch with what's going on. And um, in my personal experience, I've had close friends who've had some mental health challenges, uh, friends and family. And it's important to acknowledge what it is um, and get professional help to deal with it. I think in the black community, especially, we, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to acknowledge what's going on. And man, that, that just worsens it exponentially. Um, and, you know, I've seen a lot of people in corporate America who I don't think are, are necessarily okay. And I've seen statistics that say that something like one in three workers, including executives, are suffering from fatigue and poor mental health. That came from a report by Deloitte that I saw recently. And so, you know, that's, um, that's disturbing. That's disturbing because if you're showing up at work and you're not okay, well, you know, you're not performing well and you surely can't lead well. So 
you know, I think it's important if, if you're an entrepreneur, all the more reason, you know, the buck stops with you. And, and so you need to be mentally and physically fit to be able to endure the uncertainties that come with entrepreneurship. What is something we as consumers are looking for um, someone to be our um, executive recruiter? Is something that we don't know about that industry that we should know? Well, here, the, the first mistake is I think the way you phrase the question, to be honest, because executive recruiters don't work for you. Okay. They work for the employer who is seeking to fill a role. And consequently, if you're looking for a job, you shouldn't think about just saying, I'm going to call an executive recruiter. It's not like a placement agency. And then they're going to work for me and they will find me a job. That's not how it works at all. Um, which is why I wrote a book called Career Mapping, Charting Your Course in the New World of Work. It's, I wrote it um, in 2011. I wrote it in 2010. It came out in 2011. And it was because I saw so many people um, making that recruiters to determine their next job. And I thought, man, that's limiting because executive search firms at the executive level, and there are different levels. I mean, there's everything from, you know, agencies that are doing, that are filling temporary all the way up to executive search firms, like the one I worked for, where we're only working on um, a, a minimum of $100,000 fees, meaning, you know, basically it's like, almost half a million dollars in, in salary for someone at the vice president level and up a lot of CEOs and boards of directors. That's the level of search that I was doing. And, you know, even at that level where it's a, it's a very closed sort of environment. And it was, these firms were all set up by white men who had been uh, management consultants and thought that they could be intermediaries and, and take a fee for moving some of these executives around um, but yeah, that's, it, you know, I, I really, here's goes that service thing as after I was there for a few years, I thought this is great. I was enjoying myself. It was challenging work, but people are not thinking about this, right. And if I could write something that is giving them kind of an inside trick and, and, and lens into how this works, then maybe I could help some people. Um, and so in the book, I'm really outlining a framework that says, start with what you want. What do you want? Because I think a lot of people just think, well, I'm just going to apply for a bunch of stuff and see what happens. Well, you're playing the lottery. And if you don't know, then, you know, you're, I'll be crude and say what my father used to say, your ass is swinging in the wind. And it's, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to be satisfied and you'll settle for anything. Um, and so the, the framework in career mapping is really to get people to think very clearly and make conscious, deliberate decisions and understand that we have the ability to even create opportunities for ourselves and not just be victim to whatever's out there. So it's a mindset shift to begin with that says, you know, I'm going to choose employers who are worthy of me, not I'm going to raise my hand and hope to be chosen. Thank you for that. And again, we want to thank our audience for joining in. And if anyone has a question for Jenny Clark, don't hesitate to let us know. So you mentioned about your book, Career Mapping. If someone is interested in reading it, how would they find the book? It's on Amazon is the easiest way to find it. Um, 
yeah, career mapping, JennyClark.com. The the long bird, the, the subtitle of the book is Charting Your Course in the New World of Work. Um, and again, it was written in 2011, but I think it's every bit as relevant today and even more so because people, we've had the great resignation, we're seeing layoffs happening. I mean, the, it just the whole work world has been upended. We're in a recession by all accounts. So people are anxious uh, and we're coming off of a pandemic and we're, there's war in the world. I mean, what else do you want to add to people's angst about what's happening? Um, and I think people need to settle back into the fundamentals of what I put in the book, which says, who are you? What are you about? What are you going to do with your life? Don't worry about everybody else. Don't look at, don't focus on the statistics. You don't have to be a, a stat and just say, well, I, I shouldn't even bother. No, decide who you want to be and what you want to do, why you're here for now. And, you know, it's not, no one's asking you to do this for the rest of your life. Do it for now. I've changed careers five times, at least five times. I was an entrepreneur at one point. I, when I came out of corporate, I wrote the book. I was an entrepreneur while I was writing the book. And then I went back to a search firm and then I went to Google. So, and was there for four and a half years and came out to start my own thing. So, you know, we have to be, we have to be um, in touch with ourselves to be able to know what's the right move for me. I can't ask anybody else what I should do. I'm the only one who's going to know that. You can get advice, right? But at the end of the day, I got to go deep and say, is, is this the right call for me to make? Advice you wish you had followed. Uh... You know, I don't really live in regret. Um, I, I don't, I, I honestly can't recall any advice that I wish I had followed. I mean, I'm not, that's not to say that I've always made the right decisions. Um, I'm sure there are things that I'm well aware of now that I couldn't even hear at a certain point in life. You know, I mean, people say things to you and you hear them say the words, but it doesn't sink in because you're not, you're, you're not even in the same vibrational frequency as they are, right? Um, I'll tell you the best advice my father ever gave me, which was tell people what you want. And that I can remember several times of that work for me. When I was sitting there frustrated, thinking that people knew what I wanted, I assumed that they knew, um, or I wanted them to know and didn't have the courage to tell them. Um, and then when it turns out when you tell people, you make things, you know, you, you're allowing, you're opening the door to make things happen because they're, and here goes my spiritual side, my metaphysical side. When you speak it, you're sending energy into the universe, right? You're opening a door, a portal through which an opportunity can come to you. If you just sit there and think about it all day and, and don't act on it, it's pretty hard for stuff to happen. Who is your ideal client? Uh, well, so I, I kind of have two kinds of clients. I have speaking clients, right? And I work through Speakers Bureau. So they tend to choose me, which is great because they know what I talk about. Um, you know, on, on the Speakers Bureau website, there are details that I've written about what I, the different topics that I speak on. Um, as it relates to conscious leadership and hiring and diversity, equity, and inclusion, and, um, you know, some, a little bit of career stuff. Um, from a consulting side, my ideal clients, I'm, I'm not doing coaching with individuals, but 
Um, my ideal clients are um, organizations that are progressive and have progressive leaders. I, I always catch myself when I say organizations because that that's just the legal structure and it's it's actually a bunch of people who are making decisions, right? And so that's I'm I'm looking for people who are looking to affect change, who are ready for for transformation, um, because I that's what I do. I in in the later years of my career and being an executive recruiter, you're really a consultant. And so more recently, um, you know, the consulting that I do is around transformation, whether it's related to diversity, but it's all around talent, leadership, um, and in some cases, diversity, equity, and inclusion as it relates to talent acquisition. Um, And then I would add, and I'm just kind of launching a new aspect of my business around um, offering courses for individuals, um, it's call it group coaching kinds of courses that are associated with the five dimensions that I describe: know yourself, speak your truth, inspire love, expand consciousness, and activate mastery. So you'll be seeing a, a series of courses on each topic over the coming year, um, hopefully to get people to um, whether they're looking to make a career change or just expand their own awareness of themselves and the world. That's, that's really my goal. Those are, that, those are my, uh, my clients and my audiences, if you will. What is the biggest takeaway from our conversation today? What do you want the audience to leave with? I want the audience to leave with, um, a realization that that we hold the keys to change. Um, as Black people, we have been marginalized, um, oppressed. You know, there, there's been so much discussion since George Floyd's death, Breonna Taylor's death, and you know, in the last two or three years, and so it's brought to light all these centuries of injustice. And now I think it's time for us being members of the rest of the world to say, okay, no, what to do as individuals and as a collective of black people and as a collective of being part of a, a larger whole, who do, who are we going to choose to be? Can we heal ourselves to the point where we can hold hands with other people who don't look like us, who might not think like us so that we can begin to solve some of the world's biggest problems? When I look around and read the news every day, my heart is broken. We have people suffering in places like Puerto Rico and I mean, all around the world every day. And I think we stand by and think that we're helpless and we can't change anything. When in fact, I believe that we can. And I, it's not always through action. It's through the power of our collective thinking and our intention. Um, so when we begin to decide who we want to be as individuals and come together and raise our vibration and our frequency and our awareness. Um, that to me is is what success looks like. We we collectively can change the world, and I'm not talking about waiting for the government to do it. We can change it. What is the one thing that you do that impacts people's lives? Uh, <laughs> I think. If you were to ask most people, they'd say, I speak truth. I speak truth. I speak my truth. My truth isn't always everybody else's, but I call it like I see it. And I have great insight. I have um, 
I dare uh, not to sound um, uh, haughty, <laughs> but great intelligence, right? I've been here a long time. I've learned a lot. I know a lot. Um, I'm open to new things, but I see things. I see beyond the obvious. I think that's kind of my superpower. I have, and that's intuition, that's insight. I, it's, a, it's a gift. It's something that I, maybe I honed it as an executive recruiter. I see, it's like x-ray vision. I see into people. I sometimes see truth that they don't, they're not willing to face. And so I come at it from a place of love and non-judgment. And, um, you know, I, I, I want us all to heal. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of it. What problem exists in the world today that you'd like to solve? Oh, pick one. <laughs> I mean, uh, gee, it's really hard for me to pick just one. I mean, I think that the, the problem, I always go to root cause. And to me, you know, I, I think this is why I keep coming back to us as individuals. Um, and the fact that we are not necessarily acknowledging the capabilities and the power that we have to change everything, everything from climate change to, uh, hatred, archaic, broken systems. Um, yeah, so there's, I don't know that there is one problem because I think if you get, if we can begin to just get past a lot of the noise we can see through to um, the hatred and the fear. I think more than anything, I think hatred is closely aligned with fear. Um, and to the extent that we can eradicate or at least minimize fear in the world, fear, it, it often has to do with scarcity and lack. Um, you know, I need to, to be, I had, I need to have more, that which means they need to have less. And so I think changing the perspectives, that's our biggest problem is that we, I don't think we're thinking about um, our existence beyond what we can see. I think we just need to go deeper in, in our assessment of things, in our assessment and awareness of ourselves. Jenny, I want you to have a monologue. I want you to name this person, living or not, and they've inspired you so much. Who is that person and what are you saying to that person? Um, I'm going to go with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, I'm going to say thank you for paving the way for a peaceful approach to solving the world's problems. I think he was in, in many ways ahead of his time. I'm not sure that people were ready to accept, I think, of Malcolm X, who, you know, had a, a different approach. I think um, we need to get back to understanding some of the words, some of the hope that Dr. King offered us. They weren't empty words. I think if we paused and really thought more about it and took to heart a lot of his teachings, um, we stand, not just Black people, but everyone in the world would stand to make some gains and to begin to put down a lot of the uh, frustrations and to begin to, so much of what he talked about to my mind 
it, it's around love and it's about healing and it starts with self-love um we need to heal ourselves we can't wait for someone else to fix us and when we begin to do that i think you know we're we're on our way to um a better world so thank you dr king you talked about being a single parent a single mom mm-hmm. to someone in the audience that's listening maybe now or later on what advice would you give them talk about being a single mother and pathing in that career path what would you say um you could do it that's what i would say first you can do it and you know it was it was hard i'm not going to lie uh, there were times, and this is what led to some of my spirituality. I would, I, my mom had passed, both my parents had passed, and I was like, mom, help me out, you know? And I would listen for her guidance and her advice on how to deal with whatever this thing was that my son might have done or whatever challenge I might have been having at work or in a relationship or whatever it might be. Um we can do it and we owe it to our children to um, to keep them, to keep ourselves healthy um, and grounded to the best of our ability to build communities to support us. You know, I grew up in California, but I spent you know, all of my son's early years were here in Chicago where I moved back to after going to California to work for Google. Um, so yeah, you can, as single moms, you know, I think we wear a proud badge of honor because it's it's not easy. Um, but I tell you what, it's the most gratifying thing I've ever done in my life. Wouldn't wouldn't change a thing. We want to thank our audience so much for joining in. If they have a question for Jenny Clark, don't hesitate to um, um, let us know. The word is listening. What is that resounding sound or message that your generation is saying that we should be listening to? My generation, I'm a boomer. So um, I think my generation would be saying, uh, appreciate our wisdom. Um, You know, I think some of the younger generations um, that maybe grew up on tech and that's their God in some ways. <laughs> and, uh, and they think, you know, if I'm technologically savvy, well, then, you know, I'm ahead of you. Well, I don't agree with that. I'm pretty technologically savvy, especially having worked for a tech company in my 50s. Um, but I just think that, that we need generational diversity. We need, because when I think about the Black community, we've had um, the demise of our families. You know, we, we've had so many, um, I was fortunate enough to be raised by a mother and a father, black parents, and um, we all were in the same household. And that is increasingly rare. And it saddens me because those, um, that nuclear unit fortified us and it's fortified many different cultures of people. Um, and so when you don't have that, you have to build other kind of communities. And so I think um, that that's probably what we need to be focused on. And the, the wisdom of, dare I call myself an elder, is uh, highly valuable and should be sought out by some of the younger generations. 
that one big rock you want to complete by December 31st, 2022? Uh, my book proposal for my second book. Excellent. Do you want to share anything about it? Uh, not yet. Not yet. It's, it'll be on leadership. That much I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, that's, I've, you know, I've spent the last, as I say, um, 25 years in the leadership world, 35 uh, broadly in corporate. Um, so I want to share a lot of what I've learned and my perspective on the systems associated with organizations and leadership, not just in corporate America, but, you know, across our our civilization. Leadership, a term that I'm hearing is about meta leadership. Can you expound on that? No, I can't. I don't know what that means. <laughs> no, and I appreciate that because they're they've been throwing that out and they talk about the meta leadership framework and practice methods that's designed to provide guidance, direction, and momentum across organizational lines that developed into a shared course of action and um, people you know, with common purposes among people and agencies doing um, what they appear to be very different work. Uh, you know what, here's what I'll say about that. Um, that, that to me sounds, sounds kitschy and um, now, maybe I'm showing my age, but my thing is, I don't think that we have, that most leaders out there, and I'll quote a stat that I often give when I'm giving speeches, conscious leadership, Gallup poll from 2016, it's dated, but things have not gotten any better. If they've only gotten worse, if, if anything, says that 18% of those polled felt that their leader or manager was good at managing and leading and managing their different capabilities, but we'll, we'll go with Gallup. 18, which means 82% of leaders aren't good at leading, 82%. So to me, we've got a bunch of people in leadership roles with leadership titles who aren't leading. They don't, they might have an education, they might have, you know, patents and pedigree and all these other things. And as a recruiter, I've been able to see right through all that. I met more incompetent leaders with great resumes than I'd like to acknowledge. And so to come up with another term of meta leadership when we haven't even mastered basic leadership, um, I'm just saying, you know, whatever, you know, some consultant consultancy decided to name something and create a graph and a chart and call it something new. And we need to get back to the basics, in my opinion. How should one discover the path to a rewarding work life? Decide what you want and be willing to go after it and be willing to leave if there's an organization that is not showing themselves to be worthy of you. If there are leaders in your organization who cannot support you to the degree to which you need to be supported. And that the it's a it cuts both ways. You've got to be intentional, you've got to be committed, you've got to be contributing. Um, and I've been in situations where I'm doing all those things and I just got headwinds. And at some point it's like I'm out. I I don't I don't deserve this.
I know my skills are too valuable um, to be to have them be dismissed or misused or um, you know go unacknowledged. Life's too short, so choose wisely. But you be deliberate in going after what you want first. And I think that's where most people fail. They don't start at the very beginning of what do I want. And the the fear I think is that if I choose something, that means it's to the exclusion of something else. It's that binary thinking again. No, that doesn't mean you can't expand and do more. Start somewhere doing something that you want to do and then open the aperture to see what else that presents to you. And then you now you've got options. It's all about choice. Give yourselves as many choices as you can imagine. And then then you can say, "Ooh, I like this better. I'm going to I'm going to shift my focus over here and I do it really well." And I'm not talking about just being a master of all, you know, what, what do they say, a jack of all trades, master of none? No, I'm saying you keep intentionally building competencies and skills that you can leverage in a lot of different ways. No one can take away your skills, right? And your competencies, they're different in my, in my mind. But yeah, for purposes of this succession, we'll call it the same thing. So know what you're good at, know what you want, and go get it and don't let anybody stand in your way. And you talk about a great deal about personalizing your roadmap to create um, the job and career of a person's choice. I want you to talk to more of a seasoned um, worker. What I'm hearing, um, like yourself, you're a boomer, I'm a boomer. I have a lot of friends that, of course, that are boomers. And many of them are being um, like put out of the market, so to speak. Um, Their jobs are being reassigned or eliminated. And the choices that that they're wanting to make, some are wanting to stay in corporate America and some are being, you know, shifted out and making those choices. A lot of them are saying that they're having to Um, not dye their hair, not show that they're older, which they will know they're older, but Mm -hmm. those um, decisions not to color their hair or to color their hair. So um, someone told me, um, they were like, oh no, you could never enter the workforce again because my hair is completely gray. Do you want to talk about that? Um, I get it, but let's not paint the whole world with one with the same brush. There are going to be individuals inside of organizations who are ageist, I think is the word, right? Who discriminate on the basis of age. Um, There are laws against that. It can be hard to prove. Um, But at the same time, I'm, you know, again, (laughs) as black people, um, we, we've been through this before. It was, it was race, right? So go get what you want, find it someplace else. It's a different world now. My hair is, if you can see a picture of me, I stopped dyeing my hair when I left Google and I've had silver hair for decades. And now I have box braids that are silver. I have no intention of hiding the fact that I'm in my sixties because I have more energy and more knowledge and wisdom 
um, than a lot of people half my age. And so if you're going to get hung up on my age, now if I can't do something, if I physically can't do my job because of my age, that's one thing. But we're talking about people who are of sound mind and body, who are capable. Well, these organizations are missing out. I think it's really foolish of them to walk away. But there are plenty of companies out there who will hire people of a certain age. I still get calls from recruiters. You can look at my LinkedIn profile, and if you do the math, you can probably figure out how old I am. So they know what they're doing, but they're, they recognize that I have a level of expertise that, you know, they need. Now I tell them I'm not, I'm not looking for another job. I'm not. That's why I'm doing my own thing. But trust me, there are options out there, and we can't let ourselves, um, based on a couple of incidences, say, well, this is the way it is, and I'm not I'm, I give up. That's a defeatist attitude. Go find somebody else who will hire you because they are out there. But you gotta you gotta show up with confidence. You can't walk away, walk around, you know, um, looking defeated and acting defeated and trying to deny and hide. You show up as you are and show up and be able to talk about what you bring and why that's so important and of value to an organization. We don't go back down. Jenny, if you conducted this interview, what is the one question you would have asked yourself? I want you to ask the question and answer it. Um, I, I, I've gotten this question from other people, so I'll, I'll use that because it's hard to it's hard to think of it from any other angle. Um, where where do I get my strength? And I will say, I get my strength from all of those who came before me. I'm a, I'm a spirit. I'm a, I am a soul who's lived many lifetimes. And I know that my ancestors, my parents, and in this lifetime, and those that came before my parents, um, brought me here and gave me the strength that I need to accomplish a lot. I've done a lot so far by some measure, but I'm just getting started. So, you know, that's, I think that's the beauty of um, being a black woman. Seriously, we, um, we have a reserve of strength that, that I think is, uh, is unrivaled. And I'm grateful for that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing all of the struggles and frustrations and all of the beautiful moments, um, all of it has brought me to this place. And I'm on a determined path of continuous evolution and growth because that's who I came here to be. What is the one thing that we can do right now to support Jenny Clark LLC? Um, you know, sign up, listen to my podcast, um, hire me for speaking, um, take one of my courses. That's what supports me. You know, I have a YouTube channel. I'm not super active on it, but the podcast shows up there. So just, you know, be part of the audience, be part of the movement and don't just listen, but grow, seek to grow because that's what I want to offer is an opportunity for growth and evolution. 
We've come to the part of our interview. It's called Rapid Round of Fun. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I'd like you to give very quick answers. If there's something you desire not to answer, feel free to say pass. Are you ready for the Rapid Round of Fun? Yep. Your ideal car? Mm, rapid. I'm going, uh, um, <laughs> Range Rover. You relax doing what? Meditation. What food you eat every week, no matter what? Peanut butter. The last movie you saw? Woman King. Your favorite singer or rapper? Oh, Jay-Z. Your favorite dance song? Dance song? Yes. I'll go with uh, California Love by Tupac. Workout or hit the clock, hit the couch? Workout. Jenny Clark, thank you so much for joining us. Before we let you go, we do want to thank the audience again for joining in. We don't want her to leave without, if you had a question for Jenny, feel free to let us know. Otherwise, Jenny, um, before we let you go, why don't you share with our audience the best way for them to connect with you and to do business with you and feel free to leave all your social media handles. Sure. Um, best way is um, info at JennyClark.com. You can go on my website, which is JennyClark.com, LinkedIn. Um, I'm Jenny Clark just everywhere. <laughs> LinkedIn. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, the website itself, I'm pretty easy to find. And if you Google me, I'll, I'll show up pretty, uh, pretty clearly, pretty quickly. Thank you, Jenny Clark. That is a wrap. And again, thank you, audience, for always joining us on Black Entrepreneur Experience Live. And we appreciate you so much. That's a wrap. Thank you.